Welcome to Own Goal Podcast. Date of recording, July 14th, 2020. I'd like to wish a happy Bastille Day to all our French listeners, of which I know there are none because of Eric's um, very vocal and loud Francophobia on this podcast. I would like to point out that it's more of an aversion to Parisians than it is to to the French. I think I've had a number of hot guy and aptitude tests that have been French. Um, and I think... I've even texted you about how it's weird that sometimes I do like people who are French, like Lafayette from Hamilton. Uh, I would also like to point out, though, Eric has never once publicly declared Benzema's innocence on this podcast either, which really casts into doubt a lot of the other things he said. Uh, we have a lot of exciting things to talk about today. We, by innocence? Wait, wait. But we, we've got a lot of things, but first, all this stuff. But, but before we do that, <laughs> are we... And when you say Benzema's innocence, are you talking about in the sex tape blackmail scheme, in the getting caught with underage prostitutes thing? I, which which criminal back dealing are we talking about that you want me to proclaim, proclaim his innocence on? Uh, the alleged sex tape scandal, which we will get to actually later in this episode. But first. But first. To the byline. It's in, it's in our goal! It's a gift! He's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. He's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. So actually, originally we were planning to record on Sunday... And had we done that, our streak of a really big development breaking the next day would have continued. Uh, luckily, I had a scheduling issue, and Eric was gracious enough to delay till uh, today, Tuesday night. But on Monday, to the surprise of absolutely no one, it was announced that Man City's two-year ban for the Champions League was outright overturned. And I think their fine was also, reduced. Their fine was reduced from, uh, I think, in... U.S. dollars from $34 million to $11 million, which tells me they were still, they're still guilty because the fine is still upheld. They're just decidedly less guilty than they were before. Yeah, I think what we're seeing here is that basically like $30 million, $11 million to Man City's owners, that is like $5 to us. And I think what he decided is he said, you could reduce my fine, and whatever you reduce the fine by, I will give you that bribe. And I believe this uh, this sports yeah. arbitration panel was bribed. There's just no so, choice about that. Just by going off of the, the history of this sport and this governing body, you know, UEFA, which is an extinction of FIFA, I, yeah, that's probably what happened. But there's also a very good chance Man City – took a little more strong arm approach and just told, you know, the governing bodies, hey, uphold our ban and we won't spend a dime in the transfer market. And Man City's money that they spend, then, you know, when they buy somebody, you know, when they buy half of Bournemouth's back line, oh wait, that's Liverpool. When they buy half of Everton's back line, um, that money then goes to Stoke when, you know, whoever they buy from, and, and it filters all throughout, not just the English game, but across all the leagues. So, like, I, I get why they're doing this, but I think what this needs to lead to is the end of financial fair play, or at least relabeling it to uh, preventing other clubs from becoming big club, big spending clubs. When you say Liverpool buying half of Bournemouth's backline, did you mean Southampton's backline? Southampton, fuck. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm shooting from the hip. Yeah. 
I just wanted to make sure we were clear. Uh, Pep had an interesting rant uh, about, I think it was today, about it. Here's some of the <laughs> some of the highlights of it. Number one, we should be apologized to. <laughs> that's just that, that's a personal favorite. <laughs> I think anytime I'm ever wronged, I'm gonna use the royal we from now on and say we should be apologized. We should be apologized to. Uh, he also had the presumption of innocence was not there, and I don't. This isn't a criminal hearing. So I don't really know if the pre- presumption of innocence really applies, but yeah, no, yeah, the presumption of innocence wasn't there because everyone knows you did it. Well, but they were alleged, and guess what, Pep, you weren't innocent. You still had to pay an eleven million dollar fine. Like you're, you're, you're clearly decidedly not innocent, or the fine would have been absolved. So like, like it doesn't matter if the presumption of innocence was there or not. There, they were at the end of this appeal. They were still not found innocent. And then he just went off on La Liga president Javier Tevez, basically saying that Tevez is super jealous of the Premier League and English football and the fat TV rights that the Premier League gets, which is you know bigger than the other top five leagues. He also said, quote, he's an incredible legal expert. Next time we'll ask him which court should judge us. And uh, I just thought it was just the general yeah. demeanor. There's nothing like a good pep rant. Oh, it's great. And then, um, you know, we can't have some pep drama without Jose getting his two cents in. Uh, I think uh, his key key descriptor was, this is a disgrace. Uh, and then I thought Klopp had a very Klopp response saying, I think like paraphrasing it, something like, well, I, I don't wish anything bad on, on any team. Uh, this is not a good day for soccer. And you know, I think he's referring to the fact that City have qualified for Champions League next year based on their play on the field, and that that for that reason they do deserve to play. But the institutions that are propping, well, holding down some clubs and apparently propping up other clubs are not, you know, adjudicating evenly. Right, right. And so the big ramification for that, as far as the Premier League is concerned, is that fifth place is no longer good enough for a Champions League spot, which means that Man U are in big trouble because they are not going to finish higher than that. But we'll get to that when we talk about the Premier League. Um, we're actually going to talk about some uh, U.S. Nationals, and uh, young U.S. soccer players. Eric is very, very giddy. I, 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 just, I like our, our U.S. soccer corner, okay? We haven't done it in a few episodes. Well, it's, 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 it's a slow time for international soccer, but, you know, with transfers moving up. So we'll start with uh, Eric's main squeeze, Weston McKinney. Um, yeah. I, go ahead, bud. I, I mean, if, if, if you've listened to us since, I think, the inception of this podcast, I've, I've been a, uh, a big Weston McKinney fan. Uh, and watching him kind of rise through the ranks at Schalke has been a, a lot of fun to see. You know, uh, really got his way into the first team and then has become – one of, if not the first name on the team sheet uh, every week when healthy. So what's been a little disheartening to see the after the restart, it kind of looks like Weston has elevated beyond Schalke. Um, this hey, was a team that... You know, sometimes you out... Sometimes, you, you know, it's like that high school relationship, which it's good, it's fun, it's your first relationship, but eventually you outgrow that and you say, you know, Jenny, I'm going off to college now and I'm going to want to sleep with other girls. And that's what Weston <laughs> is kind of saying to Schalke. Like, it was a good first high school love, but it's time for him to go to college and experiment with some strange. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's one way to talk about the uh, the, the youth of American soccer. Uh, but 
You're right, in, in a sense. I think we saw some language last week where Schalke's next season's targets are, are going to be more internal and not looking to qualify for European competition. You know, they really, really the wheels really fell off. I think they're going to cut back on a lot of their spending. They were thrust into some financial jeopardy uh, when they thought that the league might not restart. They were going to have to forfeit a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the TV and, and ticketing cash flow they were going to bring in so i think we're starting to see you know weston's a really talented prospect and can is going to hopefully do some great things in his career and shulka is having to readjust their goals so um that's the you know that sucks but also it's exciting that he could you know make a move to a, a bigger club maybe a different league the bad news is a few of the rumors that we've been hearing. Some good news, some good news rumors, but I, being me, like to focus on the, the bad news. And the name I've seen more than, than the rest to kick things off is uh, apparently in some of their internal discussions about who could be a long-term replacement when their midfield starts to age is that uh, Liverpool have been scouting and discussing Weston McKinney because, of course, they have. This is horrible for a variety of reasons. Um, the first is that Weston McKinney, by all means a good person, would then become to be turned into a scumbag overnight, which is really, you hate to see something like that, number one. Number two, because it's an investment for the future, that seems to be that it's going to be a big hit to his PT. And I would rather not see that at this stage of his development. Yeah. Where he could go to a still prop, like a top 10, you know, kind of that 5 through 10 English side and be a regular starter, such as Everton or Wolves, who are also interested, both of which I think would be awesome destinations for him. And, and I think it's important to say that the Liverpool comments have been, like, leaked internal, very loose conversations. It's not like I've seen a lot of a lot of heat to those, those rumors, uh, but it's something that I definitely saw. I was like, oh, God, no. And then the rumor I saw after that, which was even worse – in my opinion, was uh, apparently several Uber Eats League uh, teams are looking at Weston McKinney. And, you know, if he, if he were to go to Liverpool, I could at least, you know, pay attention and, and watch when he, when he plays. I, it's so hard to watch Uber Eats. Like, it's on BN Sports. BN Sports is, like, pulling out of all of the, the, the distributors. You know, I once had a very low opinion of BN Sports, too, quite like you, Eric. But then they spent five minutes talking about how incredible Kareem Benzema was during the Real Madrid game. And I got to say, I've kind of done a 180 on them. I'm a BN sports guy now. Well, good. If, if so when, when uh, Weston goes to Marseille, you can walk in. Happy Bastille Day, Marseille. Bonjour, Pierre. Um, but yeah, you mentioned a few others, and I think that's something that I, I want to kind of hone in on. I would love to see him move to like a you know a mid uh, to a, a mid to high table Premier League team. You know something where he could kind of get in. I think Wolves would, he would fit right in with with that team first culture and uh, Nuno Espirito Santo's kind of uh, style. He'd love Weston as an aggressive you know ball attack ball winning midfielder who can literally if you're in an injury crisis if you need to teach your t- tactics he can literally play every position. Yeah, and Wolves, I think, play like the same 11 people every single game, no matter what. So, yeah, they, they could probably use a little depth. Uh, uh, Everton, just to be able to learn from the Don, that that would be awesome. Don and then, Carlo, you know, maybe. I, depending on... I think somebody who would actually really, really appreciate his defensive impact and, and efforts, 
But Jose Mourinho at Tottenham. Yeah, and he's uh, he's out of sorts Only... with um, the French midfielder there, and it's another uh, in the, in Dombella, Yeah, it's another French midfielder that he has had a <laughs> problem with, and I'm starting to see a pattern here with Jug. You and him may have something in common there, Jitsu. <laughs> Uh yeah, that, that wow. Me and Jose, we're we're like a, we're like a pair. Jose, you mean Josie? It's how you can pronounce combined Jose and Josie, and you yeah, said, Jose, Jose, Jose Mourinho. It's fine. Uh, we don't I know am Jose Mourinho. I am now French. <laughs> oh, like Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard. <laughs> I will never not think that. Gerard and Lampard sound like French last names. They really do. But God, they both of them look so English. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, so he's also, you know, gaining interest from other Bundesliga clubs and La Liga. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think it's safe to say though that he is more than likely, I would say, better chance than not, he's on the move. I'd be surprised if he uh, was playing at Schalke next year, just because I think there's a financial. Ba- benefit for Schalke and there's I think a opportunity benefit for for Weston so I think it it just makes sense and so with that we're going to move to another um young U.S. stud in Zach Steffen and it is announced that uh, Zach Steffen is expected to stay at City for next season and be their backup goalkeeper uh going into um the next season and I think you and I have some divergent thoughts on this so I will let you kick off yeah, so if, if, we, if those of you who were not aware, Zach spent this last season on loan uh, at Fortuna Dusseldorf. And Dusseldorf, he uh, was by far their best player. He was yes, he was their best. He was easily their best goalie. He was by far their best player. Uh, when he last played, they were safe from from the the automatic drop, and they were in the the relegation promotion playoff spot. He picked up an injury and was not able to play in the restart and Dusseldorf got pipped by Werder Bremen and automatically went down. Now, obviously Zach was only on a loan with, with no option to make permanent. So, um, you know, not really an issue there, but city, I think seeing his performance and seeing his talent have decided that, you know, he's going to be the number two back in Ederson. I see the benefits and, and the, I mean, I, I know where you're going to go with, 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 with your take. I just think at 25 years old, you know, still really developing from a, goal, a goalie standpoint, nothing is more valuable than playtime. Nothing is more valuable than getting a full campaign's worth of experience. When we start getting into World Cup qualifiers, we've seen how one off game can fuck everything up. And I really want to feel comfortable with a goalie that is in form, has not been going weeks or months between performances. And I, I just think, you know, playing at a low to mid-level team in a, in a different league or in the Premier League is actually great because you're getting a lot of looks. You're going up against other, you know, you're going up against better teams than you. And oftentimes you are the person who is responsible for, for saving your team. You know, uh, you know what else is really bad for World Cup qualifying is bringing in Bruce Arena too. But <laughs> that is neither here nor there. I just couldn't let that one go. Um, you know, for a lot of positions, I would agree with you. I disagree with you for the goalie position, and here's why: when you're a midfielder, you're fighting with you know 
five other midfielders for your job, for a starting job. When you're a striker, you're fighting with three, four other strikers. When you're a goalie and you're a, there's a number one and number two, it is a two-horse race. I see this as an opportunity for someone to go out there, take this opportunity by the balls, and fight to be the starting goalie. Because in a heartbeat, if Pep Guardiola sees that if Zach Steffen can get a little bit better with his feet and he's making better saves, he will play the best player to make City win in that position. Wait, I think what you really mean is if Ederson continues to attack and laugh at his own teammates. <laughs> if Ederson continues to knock that's, out his own teammates and smile about it. That's the other thing I'm worried about. I think Ederson is maybe a psychopath, and I don't like that he's now going to view Zach as his primary competition. So I see it as an opportunity for him to take a number one spot in one of the best teams in Europe. I also see it as an opportunity to be training against guys like Sergio Aguero and Kevin De Bruyne with the first team day in and day out at a high-profile club. Also, again, goes back to the position. Ederson tears an ACL for three months, which would, which would suck. I, I really do not hope that, but Zach Steffen, he's the starter for th- three months. That you know, it's a, it's a different position. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll, and here's kind of a comparison I'll sort of make of Sergio Romero at uh, Man U. Sergio Romero is Argentina's number one goalkeeper, has been for several years. Argentina don't lose games because of Sergio Romero. They lose games because their offense, like, dies or they, like, bench Paulo Dybala for no reason. Um, But even in his... Dybala is not compatible with either (laughs) Messi or Ronaldo, apparently. (laughs) I don't understand that. But even as the backup goalie, Sergio Romero has gotten... Averages twelve games a year for Man U in all competitions. City is a team that is always in the League Cup semifinals, FA Cup semifinals. This is a team that makes deep runs in various competitions. So, I think that this is a chance for a guy to take the position to make it his own, have a fight for position. And if not, okay, but it's still it's a years of experience training against some of the best players in the world with a really big club, and I think there are going to be a lot of positives out of it. And I and for me, I think the positives and the potential outweigh just the, the you know the regular PT. And I think for at least one year, I'm kind of excited about this to see what he could do. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I don't think it's a it's a one year thing. You know, I think he's going to be the he's the backup for the foreseeable future because Ederson is not old. Uh, obviously, yeah, he's but got he's a psycho. He's, got, he's a psycho. Uh, Zach has a shot to to win the starting spot, but he's starting, you know, a quarter mile behind in the race. Yeah. I, I mean, it's definitely a challenge, but they spent what they spent over 50 million for Ederson. They spent under 10 for Zach. It just, just by the investment they've put in, they need to get much more out of Ederson. Than they need to get out of Zach Steffen. I get that, but the, the chance is still there. I think there's an incredible opportunity. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting how that plays out, um, next season. And then last, um, is Bayern Munich guy. And one of the first guys we've ever talked about on this podcast in our early episodes, uh, Chris Richards. Um, he was a, a guy, a product of FC Dallas's youth system who went over to Bayern Munich Whatever, part, yep. of, part of a collaboration between the clubs has now started in the Bundesliga for, um, Bayern Munich and is now getting a lot of interest from Chelsea, Arsenal, and Valencia. And it's said that Bayern have first team plans for him, but may want to loan him out 
for one year to get experience. And man, Chris Richards and Alaba as your center back pairing, good <laughs> luck. Uh, yeah, I, I think you know we've we've been high on this guy's potential for for a while now, and the fact that he was getting called up to the the match day squad at the end of the season for Bayern shows something. You know, finally got some some minutes at the the, the very tail end of the season. Uh, yeah, sounds like they don't have first team plans for him in the immediate future, uh, but he is being talked about as part of a long term. Uh, player for Bayern, which is awesome. You know, Boateng's getting old. Uh, whoever else, you know, they, they're going to need youth. And it'd be really cool to see. I think a really interesting move would be going somewhere like Valencia or somewhere in La Liga, mm. uh, playing against a different type of, of striker, of, of offense than you get in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we, we love the Premier League. It'd be, it'd be fun to see him get loaned out to one of those mid-table uh, teams in the Premier League, but I feel like we're probably going to see a loan to a uh, a German team. That just, that just feels like that that's what Bayern do. Uh, they, like to keep, they like to keep their boys close to home. It, it, anyway, uh, whatever, whatever avenue can get him to more first-team time. Yeah. I'm all for it, and I'm excited to, to hopefully see him log consistent minutes next next year. Yeah, next, um, ne- next year in like two months. Yeah, it, it's a it's a we got we got we are like in the middle of the we're like at the tail end of the leagues in July. It's a weird time. Um, so stepping away from the U.S. Uh, national for a little bit, we are going back to our uh, litigious train, and with a Benzema update. The disgusting and immoral French prosecutors are wanting to look into having a trial for Karim Benzema on the um, blackmail of Matthew Valbuena allegations. Uh, I think what we're really seeing here is the corruption of the French court system and their stance against immigrants like Benzema's family and wanting to put immigrants down. Um, and just, I don't understand why a good family man like Benzema can't be left alone to ply his craft. And if they're not gonna, well, well, if they're not gonna he, let him play for the national team, those cowards should let him play for Algeria. He he can't be left alone to ply his craft because the craft he chooses to use is oftentimes uh, video surveillance and blackmail. Listen, I've said all I need to say. All I'm gonna say is this. The French, the French judicial it's... system, the French judicial system is backing me up on this. Viva la France! And you know you're in the wrong when you're siding with the French judicial system. Now who's the uh... <laughs> the francophobe? Yeah. Um, I will say that if there was a trial for Benzema, I would be covering this thing very heavily, <laughs> and so that content could be great. Or if you just don't care about Benzema, not great, depending on your point of view. But that is our that is our Benzema update, um, and I think we should just hop into our segments. Yeah, Hawkeye of the week. Hawkeye of the week. I know this is this is what everybody keeps coming back for. Uh, um, Donnie, who who you liking? I am really liking Sheffield. So you know Sheffield United do a back three, and their center center back of that back three is John Egan. Wow. He's got, he's kind of got that, he's got the dark hair, but the piercing blue eyes, a little bit of a Kevin Volland vibe look to him. Very handsome. He can also, he also pulls off the scruff well when he lets it grow out. 6-1, handsome as shit. Um, His last three games, Burnley, 
Wolves, Chelsea. Kept a clean sheet against Wolves and Chelsea. Scored the winner against Wolves in a 1-0 win for Sheffield. And scored a late equalizer for uh, Sheffield against Burnley to make it to tie that game 1-1. So, have, for, a, for a central center back of a back three, two clean sheets and two goals in their last three games, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, I think something to actually really focus on uh, for him is the way Sheffield defend. You know, I think outside of Liverpool, Sheffield may be playing the best defense in the Premier League, and they don't have the, you know, they haven't spent as close to as much on their backlining and goalies situation as uh as liverpool have right? right and i think it's it's really impressive to see and in, in, in a three a three in the back that central center back is is critical for positioning communication uh and then apparently in, in egan's case knocking a few in uh just to to kind of deliver those results yeah so um very handsome man in form hawkeye of the week gatesy who do you got yeah. Uh, uh, so to keep this thing on the, the French connection, so to speak, uh, I'm actually going to take a hot guy from a, uh, a club that we've, we've had a hot guy from recently um, scored today. Uh, my, my previous hot guy, Christian Pulisic, actually assisted my new hot oh. guy, Olivier Giroud. He's been hot guy before. He, he's, I think, been pretty streaky. You know, in his career, he gets on. Then he cools off. Then we forget about him, and then we're like, "Oh, that guy is really handsome." And he starts scoring again. He's, I think, in, scored in two of their last three games. The their last two wins, he's he's scored in. I think he may have scored uh, in like three of his last four or three of his last five. He and Christian are are scoring at a a really rapid rate, and um, I think he's uh, he's he's not. Yeah, he's scored in three of their last four games. He's not what I would say like very good when you think of like world-class strikers you know he's not harry kane he's not sergio aguero he's not kareem benzema yeah I, but but maybe you know i think you could argue he maybe he gets results at least he is right now i think in he's in a, a great bit of form and god damn he is a gorgeous man incredibly attractive individual he may be like the hottest hot guy we've ever we've ever nominated he may be he's I up mean, there I mean, R- Ronaldo has the absurd bod. Okay, but no, like I'll say this. Here's the difference. Giroud is an incredibly hot, attractive man. Ronaldo is just a sexy person. He's just se- it's like it's a different sort of vibe. Like Giroud yeah. is like a masculine, hot, attractive. Ronaldo is just like sexy. Like Ronaldo, you start thinking like eh, maybe I am a little gay after all. You could also have those thoughts if you look at Giroud. Honestly. That's true too. That's true too. And and the way I think about it, you know, if if Lampard and Gerard could be English last name, you know, are, are, they're French last names for an Englishman. Maybe Giroud is actually an Englishman just with a French sounding last name too. He's too attractive uh, to be English. <laughs> that's fair. That is fair. Uh, but you know, he's 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 actually I just I think been on fire lately, and um, it's 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 interesting because. He's very good at things that the best players aren't always as good at, right? He's got great 
hold up play. He, he's got really good strength. Uh, we think about the you know really solid French national team attack. You think of the speed of Mbappe, uh, the speed and in, in interplay of of Antoine Griezmann. You don't you don't automatically think of oh they got that big tall strong target man in Giroud, um, but he's able to I guess you know let better more talented players shine, and then he cleans up cleans up what's left. Yeah. Um, good. You know what I was thinking? If we were doing this podcast 15 years ago, even though we didn't know each other, man, I'd love to throw in Michael Ballack for a couple of Hawkeyes. Oh, yeah. When he's doing, when he's doing World Cup coverage for ESPN and he's wearing that suit, oh, it's a handsome man. Rude, rude, Vanessa, rude too. Oh, oh, I love the two of them together too. That's just such, (laughs) they're such a great combo. But, um, I digress. Moving on to our aptitude test. This is our segment where if so-and-so wasn't a soccer coach, soccer player, soccer manager, soccer executive, what, what would they be doing in life? Uh, Eric, who do you have for yeah. me today? Uh, i going to go, you know, seeing as we did a little American corner, I'm going to bring this after test a little closer to home and also a little throwback. Uh, you know, one of the the better right or fullbacks that we've had as a, as a nation and and been a few years since he left the game uh if he was not a soccer player and a u.s national team player what would little stevie chirundolo be stevie chirundolo that is a name i have not heard in many many moons i gotta look at his face okay while while you're looking it up i I picture him being like i forgot what he looked like, like A no, very I like, how weird, small he was. A very weird, enigmatic, like tinkerer and like inventor. You know, kind of like uh, maybe maybe Doc Brown mixed with the guy who creates Inspector Gadget. Isn't that Inspector Gadget? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he kind of, he okay. If you put some eyeliner on him and give him a guitar, he looks like he is a, he's one of the guys from Simple Plan whose name oh. we do not know. <laughs> okay, I can see him jamming out. Yeah, like jamming out to like like those early two thousands like punk rock bands. I kind of see him, you know, maybe like someone in Good Charlotte who's not the Matt the bro- the two brothers. He's he's no he's he's like he's the guy who was in. And take your pick of you know Green Day, Simple Plan, My Chemical Romance. That got cut from the band and replaced before they got big. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's pretty good. Those are nice I like that. I totally just like for like could not picture his face. It's crazy. Oh. All right. So my guy is not close to home at all, <laughs> and it's not related to anything we've talked about. If he was not a professional soccer player, what would Radamel Falcao be doing? Ooh. Um, so I got I to explain this because I don't think <laughs> on face value it's going to sound accurate. So I'm immediately picking picturing like a professional luxury uh big cat trainer and tamer but not like joe exotic nothing like joe exotic. no but like doc andal <laughs> <laughs> where he has like the sister wives 
So yeah, kind of like Doc Antle, but like I'm not going for like he creeps me out and is being investigated by the authorities vibes. I just mean, you know, maybe he's set up in, in a country where where big cat raising and, and domestication is uh, is legal. And I think he, uh, you know, breeds, raises, and trains big cats and sells them to the you know the super elite. I picture Radamel Falcao wearing a wife beater. And he's like that guy who's 28 but still hangs around the high school <laughs> and maybe sells drugs. I'm not saying this because he's Colombian, but maybe sells drugs to the high school students. But he just looks like a guy who like still hangs out of a high school in like Wade County, for example. <laughs> so um, I went. We went to the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, there. yeah. But you know what? They both sound like someone who would live in Florida. <laughs> and, uh, so with that we will uh hop around the leagues and kind of recap the last couple of weeks of league action gatesy you want to kick us off with bundesliga yeah. so as we know the bundesliga has kind of for the most part been done for for uh, a few weeks the one thing we had were the uh the two legs for uh bremen and um Shit, it's something Dorf, not Dusseldorf, but they were. Spoiler alert: Bremen stays up on away goals. Uh, but but Werder Bremen played against the uh, third place team in the Bundesliga two. Heidenheim. Heidenheim. Oh, so okay. I know their name sounds similar to another Bundesliga team. It's Heidenheim, who sounds very similar to Hoffenheim. Sounds like uh, Thor's wet nurse. That's very fair. Uh, so. Kind of boring draw, uh, boring tie, really. Uh, first first game was at Werder Bremen, ended up being 0-0. Second leg was at Heidenheim. There was um, a goal that was scored by, quote-unquote, by Werder Bremen that was a horribly unlucky own goal for Heidenheim uh, to, to throw... <laughs> But the American a bone, Josh Sargent not only got the start, but he was the last Werder player to touch the ball before it was inexplicably accidentally kicked full force into into this, <laughs> the goalie's net. Uh, we can't really give him credit for creating that. He he made a touch. He tried to like make a dribble near the box, and the ball got away from him. And the defender was just running towards him and kicked the ball into the net. Um, so. I think Sergeant Sergeant was very I think impactful in helping uh, Bremen stay up. It sounds like uh, their most reliable offensive player Rashiksa is going to be moving to another Bundesliga or potentially Serie A team of uh, over the next transfer window, which honestly be great news for for Sergeant. A little little troubling because he needs help creating, but it also means that he'll have more opportunities to to start and, and play more time. Yeah, um, I it's going to be tough, I think, for them to stay up. Um, but I hope if they go down, I hope they go down next season with Sargent starting a lot, getting goals, playing well, getting assists, and maybe moving on if they do end up going down. So I, I think we just, just got to wait and see on that one. Um, and with I mean, that- it was it was a really it was a really impressive feat for them to stay up. You know, they were yes, they were on the outside looking in of uh, 
rising above automatic relegation. So the fact that they made they they, they fought their way kind of through Dusseldorf down uh, below them, and then were able to to grit out and do what they need to do on this promotion relegation uh, fight, I thought was impressive. Um. So with that, we will go to Spain, La Liga, um, and kind of talk about there. And the reality is, Real Madrid are one win away from being champions for the first time. Either one win or Barcelona dropping any points on Thursday will do it. First time, first time since uh, 2016-17. Not for the first time. They've, I think they've won it 34 times. Um, but um, And so, yeah, they'll have that chance Thursday against Phil, Villarreal. A lot of VAR controversy around Real Madrid. Not their most recent game against Granada, but they have gotten bailed out by PKs in three games before that, two of which were 1-0 wins against Catafe and Atletico Bilbao. The other one was an Al- a win against Alaves, but I was okay with that because Ramos was suspended that game, so Benzema got to take the PK, so that one didn't bother me. And actually, that one was definitely more of a penalty than the other two. So been a little VAR controversy there for them, but... So, definitely some VAR controversy, and, and uh, Barcelona's hierarchy have been very quick to decry VAR and its validity. But I thought uh, Diego Simeone had a, an interesting comment, you know, the athletic... Go Madrid manager. He says that Real Madrid attack and attack more directly than any team in the league, and it would make sense that they earn more penalties because teams take them down when trying to pre- you know prevent their attacks. Yeah. Like he was talking about how their attacking possession uh, is always threatening. They they don't just hold on to the ball and move it around. They move it towards the net and you know with with intent to score. So. Yeah, there have been you know some some disturbing VAR numbers and, and some games that have gotten wins because of uh, VAR intervention. But it's just interesting to see uh, Diego Simeone speak up unprompted in defense of of Real Real Madrid's results. Diego Simeone strikes me as the kind of guy who hates a whiner. And no offense, but Barcelona when they don't win everything, they whine. That's what they do. They whine. Sometimes they even whine in order to win things. Exactly. So he just strikes me as a guy who just like is like, if you lose, like don't whine, work work harder kind of mentality. That's just that's just he's, the personality he strikes me as. He, he reminds me of uh, of Gunnar Stahl from Mighty Ducks D two uh, when the coach goes to him and says, "You lost it for me," and Gunnar just goes, "You lost it for yourself." Now let's go shake their hands. Or like Kennard from the Mighty Ducks animated series with the Duckanoids, who whereas Kennard as the leader of the group always emphasize the importance of individual you always responsibility bring up and hard you work. Always, whenever, whenever you, whenever Mighty Ducks come up, you, your, your example, I, I think that's the only animated Mighty Duck you know, is just Kennard. That is not true. At Don't all. look it up. Don't look it up. I'm Don't look it up. up. I'm not looking it up. I hear you typing. I hear you typing. That's not what I'm typing. I'm looking up porn right now. Bullshit. <laughs> You're such a bullshitter. All right. Um, so what about Barcelona, Donnie? There's Wild Wing. <laughs> you're reading, I can see you're reading it off the screen. There's dive. There's Duke Lorange, your favorite character. There's Mallory. How can I forget about Mallory? There's Tanya Vanderflock. Either, either we move on or I'm ending this podcast episode right now. The amount of times you threaten to end pod- this podcast. No, usually I threaten to end the actual podcast itself. I was just threatening to walk off of this episode. Um... Interesting stat about um, Ramos' penalties. He hasn't missed one all season, which is pretty impressive as like your team's first choice penalty when your team gets a lot of penalties. Yeah, uh, it, and when you and 
less than interesting stat. He is the highest scoring uh, defender in all of the top league, top flight, uh, top five European leagues. Interesting stat. He has more goals than um, Antoine Griezmann. <laughs> well, Antoine Griezmann's averaging like five minutes a game. So, um, so I guess speaking of Griezmann, it looked like Barca had uh, turned the corner with this four-one thrashing of Villarreal, where Griezmann scored, Suarez scored, Messi has been. Um, Pulling the strings, he is the first player to have 20 goals and 20 assists in the La Liga season. Super impressive. I think like That's five perfect. years ago, you and I talked about how Messi was going to age well because he was going to become a playmaker as his career. Mm-hmm. And then I think you and I were spot on on that. And that's where we're seeing the goals are coming down a little bit, but the assists is where he's able to provide a lot of magic and still be a, a huge impact. Um, but then that slowed down with a couple of tighter uh, back-to-back 1-0 wins versus Espanyol and Valladolid. But Espanyol, Barcelona's local rival, was officially relegated. Huh. So, for that, where that's, that's worth. Um, interesting thing about this Messi Griezmann situation is when some, some guy, I don't even remember his name, I sent you a thing, but he said that Griezmann had no balls and was scared of an autistic midget. And that is how he referred to Messi. And just the fact that somebody decided that they were going to get on TV and say those incredibly offensive words, I was shocked. And then the apology was like, I didn't realize like my language would be so offensive. Like, what? You just... <laughs> it was offensive to Messi. It was offensive to autistic did. people. It was offensive to little people. Yeah. It was just... That was bad. Um, so, Messi... Another thing about Messi is he is apparently very unhappy at Barcelona right now. I mean, he can't be happy at, at looking at the personnel moves they've made over the last, what, three years? Yes, everybody, the, a 30-year-old is considered a young man, and they're starting to love him. <laughs> yeah, and then they just recently got rid of uh, Arthur, the you know promising young younger midfielder, and they brought in Marilyn Pjanic, who is a talented player, but he's, I think moving past his prime he definitely has less to give moving forward than i think arthur has um i I, i've heard two rumors which are equally disturbing in different ways messi to man city messi to man city where pep can finally win a champions league again with having his talisman even more disturbing is rivaldo saying agents are salivating at the idea of messi joining ronaldo at juventus I have I have seen that, and I I can't imagine that Messi or Ronaldo would actually want that. I can't. Yeah. Three years ago, four four years ago, I, I totally agree with you. I think you're more likely than not correct now, but they are at a very different stage in their careers. They're not what they were because they had gotten older. And even when Ronaldo made those comments six months ago, a year ago, about wanting to have dinner with Messi, it, a lot of the yes. ego has gone down. I agree but, that but even, I agree you're 90% right. I'm saying that there's a 10% chance. No, 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 no. I don't need that in my life. I, don't, I, don't, I can't yeah, have that in my let life. Let me just say it. Let me just say it. No. There's a 10% chance where <laughs> Messi is thinking, you know, I'm slowing down a little bit, but heck, I can still be a playmaker. Ronaldo, I'm slowing down a little bit, but I can still get a goal. The, the, the only two people, like, I don't know, it would be, it, 
if it wasn't like you take Juventus out of the equation, there would be no, something I, fascinating about watching two of the greatest ever players who play at the same time play together, even if it was for one season. It would, I think, it would so, be good for the sport. I disagree. I disagree. And I'd like to to jump sports and to, to turn the clocks back a few years. Let's rewind to, the clock. Let's rewind the clocks back. Years. These cops and lawyers wouldn't dare cross you. Sorry. I know we're uh, my profession into this. <laughs> so, the decision. LeBron, Wade, Bosch, all teaming up. You know, Griezmann. Two, <laughs> two, to, two to three, depending on how, how, how you classify Bosch, of the biggest superstars in, in the NBA. You know, all, all joined up to... to be the spectacle of the heat and yeah heat fans loved it lebron fans loved it but fans of basketball kind of across the way kind of hated it you know the, it, the heat became oh the team everybody could agree that they were pulling against right and i think if we're watching at any point in their career messi and ronaldo together that's 50 percent less opportunity for each of them to do something individually amazing and as you say, the clock is winding down. We are running out of time to see them do these individually amazing, you know, feats of of just pure talent. And putting them together, yes, that could be an awesome spectacle. But it's going to end up more often than not with Ronaldo and Messi getting pissy at each other because one of them's taking the free kicks over the other. Which one's getting the captain's armband? They'll never agree on that. You know, Messi should have passed the ball to Ronaldo, but he didn't. Said he passed it to Fat Iguain. What, what the hell was that about? You know, you know Iguain's going to scuff it over the bar. Fat Iguain. So I, I just I don't see a way where they team up and it's actually better than if they were to play against each other. And I think some of those reduced ego conversations and comments that we've heard. They always work in there that it would be great and a lot of fun to compete against each other again. You know, I, I've heard them say that. I have not heard them even mention it'd be great to play alongside. Obviously, they can't because the media would go nuts with that. But I think there is a desire between both of them to continue to compete. I don't think there is one to play with. I don't think it's going to happen by any means. I thought it was an interesting idea. I want to get that. And the only thing I'll say is the. One big difference, I will say, to your Miami Heat analogy is the players, those players were in their primes, whereas Ronaldo and Messi are not in their primes teaming up. So that's the only thing I want to say about that. But, um, so, interesting stats that with two La Liga games to go, Benzema is only three goals behind Messi for the leading score in La Liga, which he's unlikely to do it with the two games to go, but... You got to keep it in hand. Messi takes the PKs for Barcelona, and Benzema does not take the PKs yeah. for Real. So I bet I I'd, I'd be I'd be willing to bet that Benzema has more non penalty kick goals than Messi. But that's that's the that's that that should be the true stat for uh, Golden Boot. True, and actually, I have some interesting stuff about that later on. But I think it's time to go over to the Premier League where. As we just yeah. said, three games left. I think, and, and you mentioned at the top of, of the episode, um, fifth place will not be good enough to qualify for Champions League. It, it normally isn't good enough, uh, but with that City ban up in the air, we, we thought it may be. Uh, so Liverpool and City are confirmed uh, qualify for Champions League. Three games 
to go, we have Leicester or Chelsea, Leicester, and Manchester United all vying for the third and fourth spot for Champions League qualification. Yeah, so Chelsea just played today, got a tight 1-0 win over Norwich. So they're at 63, but they have a game in hand. Leicester United tied at 59. Leicester has a better goal difference by three. But just a couple of weeks ago, they had a better goal difference by 12. So combination of Man U's high-flying form and Leicester's shit form have really tightened that up. I mean, if you think about it, a 1-0 win, 1-0 loss, one way or the other switches it to a one goal difference. So that's getting super tight. Um, Chelsea, kind of looking... You know, look looking, at, look, look, looking at schedules, I, I think there are, are two things that really stand out to me. Uh, I think Leicester have the toughest of the final three games, and I I kind of think Chelsea may have the easiest draw. Oh, Chelsea uh, definitely have the easiest draw. So 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 Chelsea Chelsea had their their first of the final three games today against already relegated Norwich. You know, Norwich put up a good fight, but they just didn't have have the juice. They they look like a team um, that have some of the pieces, some of the foundational pieces of a low to mid table, you know, staving off relegation Premier League team. But they're not there yet. I think they'll they'll go back down. Hopefully, they've pocketed away a lot of that promotion money and are going to be able to invest responsibly in the squad and come back up in a year or two. Um, but so that was one of them. And then the other two games are Liverpool and Wolves. Now Liverpool have been a juggernaut most of the year and Wolves have a lot to fight for with European qualification you know still still at play but Liverpool have only won half their games since the restart and they have no Champions League they have nothing to really fight for in the Premier League I I don't know if that's as scary a matchup as it normally would be the only thing Liverpool would have to be motivated was to be to be the other teams behind Man City to get over 100 Premier League points but I have a feeling We'll see if I'm right or if I'm wrong. That Liverpool are going to play play a very young and inexperienced side because the only thing that they would they like more than winning would be to make sure United. I, I'm not joking. I think they're going to play a very young side to give Chelsea a very good chance at taking a win because they would love nothing more than for them to win the title, which they already done, and Man U not to be in the Champions League. So I don't expect the Liverpool with Allison and Virgil Van Dijk and Trent Alexander Arnold and. Jordan Henderson and Mo Salah and Robert Firmino and Sadio Mane. Don't expect those guys to be on the field. Yeah, I, I, I hope mean, I'm wrong. I hope Klopp plays to win as a competitor. But you know, he's he's the manager of Liverpool, and you can only be around scum for so long before it starts to infect your very core. So I think you can make an argument that United have an easier schedule just based off of uh, you know position in the table. Uh, United have Crystal Palace, West Ham, and Leicester. Crystal Palace and West Ham are like 18th and 16th in the table. So, you know, you could argue that there are worse teams than what uh, Leicester and Chelsea have to play. Uh, but they have a lot more to fight for, right? As we said, Chelsea have one opponent who has something to fight for. That's Wolves. Liverpool, they're done. Norwich, the game today, they were done before the game started. Whereas United are going up against two teams trying to stave off relegation. And then Leicester, the other team competing for that, that top spot. Not to mention United. United have been in the best form since the restart of any team in England. Four wins, two draws. Um, but yet, despite they've, you know, I had to take some perspective yesterday, uh, the other day when I was massively butthurt that about the late. I mean, the ninety-sixth minute, massively butthurt by the late <laughs> Southampton goal. It's just so many different facts. I'm not going to get into it now. Um, but the problem is. Man, you are this close to having it, 
and this is why they won't because God has to ensure and the soccer gods have to ensure that I suffer. And so while Leicester has a really tough game against Sheffield, who just hammered Chelsea 3-0. Yeah. Um, uh, Sheffield, Sheffield, who are also playing for you know they they've missed. I think they're out out of uh, of reach of Champions League, but they're but still Europa fighting League. for Europa League. Which for uh, a club like Sheffield that just got promoted this it's season, massive, massive, right? You know the fi- the financial boon they get, the exposure, the ability to bring in new talent and retain existing talent. So they have a lot to play for. They also Leicester play a talented. Uh, Frustrating to watch right now, but a talented Tottenham side. And then, of course, like we said, Man U and Leicester have been horrible since the restart. Three draws, yeah. a win, two losses, including this game where they could have been up uh-huh. 3-0 at halftime against Burnmouth. We're up 1-0, and they lost 4-1 in the game. Goobiest game of the season. You know why they lost, they lost 4-1? It's not because this, uh, you know, because, like, that helped United, which, you know, that, that's not supposed to happen for you, right? They lost to spite you because you tweeted during the early in the game something like, man, Bournemouth are just not a good soccer team. <laughs> I did tweet that. To be fair, it's still true today. <laughs> Lester just happened to be on that day. Like, when Lester's center back decides to kick somebody in the neck Dude, when the play is the, over yeah, and a red yeah. card. Soyanku going all uh, karate kid <laughs> after the goal is scored? What the fuck was happening? Karate kid, and he, he was not Daniel's son. That guy was training at the motherfucking Cobra Kai <laughs> Dojo. I'll tell you that for free. Um, but, um, so, so I, it's going to be tight. It's going to be close. But I ultimately have Chelsea and Lester finishing third and fourth and United finishing fifth, maybe, maybe sixth even. I think I just, I'm going to take form. I'm going to take form over anything else. Um, you know, probably Chelsea third, but I've got United squeaking out fourth over Leicester in a game in the final, the final game of the season on my birthday that I think is going to make you vomit because you're so nervous and stressed out. I'm going to need uh, my heart pills. For, <laughs> but I, I, I think I just, Leicester's form has been so bad, and as you mentioned, United's form has been really good. You know, even considering the the ninety sixth minute. Draw I would like to say they, everyone has been shitting on United for drawing two two to Southampton. Southampton just beat Man City like a week and a half ago. Yeah, so everyone can no, fuck I, off I, a little I, bit, I, I including think, myself. So I'm going to take form uh, for these final three games, and, and that's that's the the layout I think it's going to happen. Uh, we'll, we'll hit up. Syria in a minute, but you know, you keep talking like, oh, we're gonna finish fifth and that's gonna be the end of, of the season, and you know, we're gonna miss out on Champions League. It's also quite possible that a Champions League berth can be earned in another competition that is going to play, uh, start resume play at the beginning of August, uh, the Europa League, uh, which Man United are still in. And the reason I just wanted to bring that up is we're gonna talk about Syria and Wow, Lazio really shit the bed. Really shit the bed, Donnie. Remember how when the when play resumed, we were talking about how Juve looked really rusty against Milan in the Coppa Italia. Juve's got some problems. If I were Lazio, I'd be really excited. Lazio missed that memo. And (laughs) they forgot how to play soccer. And so they... I think the the first poor result was they they lost to Milan, uh, a game that Milan actually dominated uh, and just worked Lazio. 
and everybody was saying, well, Milan just get, just gave Juve the title, so uh, good job, Milan. You just helped out one of your rivals, Juventus. But, uh, but the next game, next, next game, Milan came back, went down 2 nothing to Juve, and everybody was like, oh, yep, you guys really just, just uh, gave Juve the title. And then scored like three minutes, three goals in five minutes and four goals overall in the second half to, to beat Juve 4-2. But Lazio has gone on to drop points and flat out lose in like two of their last three games drop points in three of their last four or five of their last six something ridiculous they they do not want to compete for the title it's can i add something about that milan juve game that was a crazy game first of all great that was a very entertaining game very entertaining game there was a moment apparently when Zlatan stepped up for the penalty kick, and Ronaldo told Chesney, you know him, you know him, you know him. And then Zlatan stepped up and scored anyway. And after he scored, Zlatan and uh, Ronaldo kind of shared a smile with each other. And that was a pretty cool moment against, like, two very legends of the game, large and live personalities. It was a very cool moment. It, it was a very cool moment. Uh, both both of them got a goal in the in the exchange. But, yeah, there, there was that moment of, of Ronaldo trying to pump Chesney up and uh, – and just after after he slotted, and there's actually a couple photos of it. They were smirking at each other, and then Ronaldo had to look away because he started laughing because he's like, "Yeah, Zlatan really showed me, really showed me up on that one." Yeah. Uh, so that was that was fun to see. Um, yeah, we where I'm actually really interested uh, for selfish reasons, but also I think for a neutral observer is the the finish for Europa League qualification basically the top four is is pretty figured out you know we may see some flip-flopping between who finishes second third and fourth uh Lazio are shooting the bed so they're they may finish third Atalanta are really hot so they may jump above uh Lazio Atalanta might be the hottest team in Europe Yes, uh, Inter, Inter are having some problems, but they're also getting some results. So, you know, they're, I think, just kind of getting ready for uh, Champions League because they're not going to finish below fourth. They're not going to finish above second. But Napoli, Roma, and Milan are all within, like, a point of each other, three points of each other, something pretty close. Um Don is telling me four points of each other that that oh yeah yep sorry uh, <laughs> I tried making Roma. it so you could seamlessly just go through it like I was supporting you I had the data for you and then you I'm just waving the number four like an asshole to myself apparently no that's cool so yeah Romo sit at fifth uh four points above Milan who are seventh and then Napoli are dead in the middle uh two points above Milan four two points below Roma uh I think Roma hasn't looked that great, though, since the restart. They had a larger lead, uh, like a nine-point lead over uh, Milan and Napoli at the start of the, you know, since the beginning of the restart. They're like and, Leicester, in a sense, where it's like, you would think, you, you would have thought that Leicester was a shoe in for the Champions League at the restart, and it was going to be between Chelsea and United and Wolves and all that. But yeah. they were kind of like Leicester, where they kind of came, not as bad as Leicester, but sort of like Leicester. Yeah, I think they, they were a little bit further off of fourth place. Um, so they, they had in a way they let less kind of motivate them to fight for, yeah. uh, that be, that being said, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, situation. So Napoli won the Coppa Italia, which gets an automatic berth to the to Europa league. So if, as long as Napoli stay in the top seven, uh, seventh, fifth, sixth and seventh will qualify for Europa league. 
uh, which is just a little interesting. There's also something to, to consider with Inter Milan uh, being in the Europa competition. So if Inter Milan were to win Europa League, then one through five would qualify for Champions League. Because the Europa to... League winner automatically qualifies for the Champions League, but Inter would be taking up a top four spot, so the fifth spot would get it. And yeah. what Eric is setting up is if Milan are able to squeak up to that fifth, six games to go, four points, a lot can happen. Milan is looking good. What if Manu finishes fifth, Milan finishes fifth, and it comes down to Inter United winning the Champions League? Well, so fortunately for me, uh, the season will be over before Europa starts, so I'll know if I have to pull for Inter or not because, God, I can't pull for Inter Milan. I just I can't do it. But if that were to backdoor us into the Champions League, then yeah, fuck it. Let's, let's ride. Um, it also, fate would determine that Inter and United are on opposite sides of the bracket. Uh, just very, very interesting. Uh, fate so would also it, determine that Inter has like half a United's players who, if they <laughs> met in the final, would, I'm sure Ashley Young would, and Lukaku would each have hat Lukaku, yeah. And Alexis Sanchez. Well, he's on loan, I think, technically. Oh, but he'd yeah. still find a way to hurt Manu. He would. It's what he does. So, I, you know, I, I think as it stands right now, it's unlikely Milan finished fifth. I think, you know, I feel they've got a very good shot at finishing, you know, qualifying for Europa League next year, which would be fine. It's not where a club of Milan's stature needs to be, but it's better than where we've been recently, which is saying something. But we'll, we'll keep updating you all. Um, I, I really think you should check out Roma and Napoli Milan games and, and watch their, their games over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Milan, I think, in the season against Atalanta. Uh, which is going to be, or maybe their second to last game on Atalanta is the hottest team in Europe right now. Uh, Milan's in good form. Napoli are in good form. It, this is fun soccer to watch. Yeah, I agree. Um, a couple of st- interesting statistical notes, kind of related to Syria. So, the team that has scored the most goals in Europe's top five leagues are uh, Bayern Munich. Their season's over at a hundred goals. The second place team that has scored the most goals in you know their domestic league is Atlanta at 93, and Atlanta has five games to beat 100, and I think they will because they just scored six today, like it was nothing. And they they scored. They're what I love about Atlanta is they play soccer the way I like to play soccer. It's like they're gonna ship two to three goals, but they're probably gonna score four or five themselves. And it's just they are very fun to watch. I am very pumped for the PSG just crushed a second division French team 9-0 in a friendly. Yeah, um, but I, I am pumped I think, for the. I'm, I'm, I'm talking myself up. I'm letting myself believe. I'm. I think. I think I like Atalanta. The upset. Oh, same, same. Um, and then another interesting kind of Serie A statistic, and it kind of goes back to Bayern Munich. So European Golden Shoe given out to the um, soccer player in Europe who scored the most league goals, and currently the right now um, at 34 league goals, Lewandowski would win um, the European Golden Shoe, but. Cersei Immobile and Cristiano Ronaldo oh, are actually... Tw- Chiro, Chiro Immobile. Excuse me, Chiro Immobile, Chiro Immobile. And, and um, Cristiano Ronaldo each have 29 and 28 in Serie A with six games to go. And I would back one of their chances to get, you know, over 34 and win the European Golden Shoe, especially with the rate at which Juventus are given penalties. It's absurd. It is, it is absurd. I mean, the only reason they didn't lose to Atalanta... 
uh, over the weekend <laughs> was was they were two handballs, and yes, they were they did come in contact with the hand, but they were the luckiest, like clearly like unintention unintentional. Didn't player didn't even have time to react to move away from the ball. It, like he would, it, it wasn't that he moved to block the ball and his hand got in the way. I honestly think uh, Juve spend more time with their crosses aiming at players' hands than they do at delivering a good cross in the box because their offense is horribly reliant on penalties right now. Horribly reliant. Yeah, I don't think Sarri's going to be there next season. And Pochettino? Hey. Yeah. Yeah. He's out there. Yeah. Um, but, well, yeah. And on that note, I think that kind of wraps up this. Obviously, we'll check back in a couple of weeks. I'm sure by then, United will not have qualified for the Champions League, and <laughs> I'll, I'll be dead, so Eric will be doing the podcast by himself. Um, oh, uh, finally. <laughs> but, um, please, you know, share the podcast oh, with your friends. Oh, yeah, I think, our, so, I mean, if we, if we record on regularly scheduled Sundays, we would be recording uh, the the day of the final round of uh, Premier League games on my birthday. So we'll probably record that Monday Dude, or Tuesday. That, there's no, this we'll, is the thing. We need, to, we need to be four points clear of Leicester by the time we play Leicester so we can lose to Leicester because there's no way United are going to beat Leicester on your birthday. That will just never happen. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing. We'll record the Monday or Tuesday after because we're going to need to give Donnie some time to uh One way or the other, I'm going to need time. He's running out of things. He's running out of things to shave on his body. <laughs> I'm a hairy man. You'd be, you'd be surprised. Eyebrows are next. <laughs> Well, uh, you know where to, where, to, where to find us. Shoot us an email, ongoalpod at gmail.com. You can uh, hit us on the Twitter uh, at ongoalpod. Don't follow us on Facebook. Nobody's on Facebook anymore. Yeah, yeah. But it's, you can follow us on Instagram at ongoalpod. Eric is working on our TikTok. He's very into TikTok these days. So. I, I, I do not have TikTok. Donnie keeps sending me <laughs> these ticks. Are they called ticks? Are they called talks? What, 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 what's, an, what's an individual TikTok post called? A TikTok. I sent you TikTok. That's too long. That's too long. There's no way the youths of today are, are, are using that full full phrase. I don't believe it. Well, they didn't tell me the cool phrase. So that's all I know. <laughs> uh, please, you know, rate, rate it, rate and subscribe. You know, share uh, the podcast the word, with your friends. Out. Share the podcast if, if, with uh, your enemies. Share the podcast with random people that you bump into, and and you, if you have you know coworkers, colleagues that that want to talk to you, and you don't want to talk to them, just be like, "Hey, I'm listening to this podcast. You should too." Bye. I've also heard that uh, going up to a girl and being like at a bar and saying, "Have you ever heard of Own Goal Podcast?" Don't go to bars. <laughs> oh right, yeah, no social. I've heard that if I heard the greatest Bumble opening line, or <laughs> Tinder, or Hinge, or whatever, whatever your well, fancy no, is. Have if, you heard if, of Own Goal if, Podcast? If you're one of our overseas listeners. Go to bars because I'm pretty sure a lot of you all are, are in countries that have actually responded well and, and are able to lift some of those restrictions. But if you're a, a United States-based listener, don't go to bars. Bye. Bye. I was sitting wishing in this barren desert wasteland all alone. Hoping that mirages were in some type of scene I've come to know. 
She whispered closely, told me this is all that we could ever be. But none of me would be the enemy and destroy our destiny. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel. And I'll fight until the end, shallow wounds always bend, no, no. Spirit, oh yeah, right down to the bone. Until the day I realize my courage is all I ever own. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel, and I'll fight until the end. Shallow wounds always.